June June in the building. And we got a special guest on the podcast today. All the way from Baltimore. Baltimore? Are Baltimore? you in Baltimore? New Haven. New Haven. New Haven. New Haven. New Haven, Connecticut. CT. CT Dot. Uh, my yes. man Tiger. Uh, but you know how we always start off the podcast, uh, just checking in on how folks has been li- living legendary. And for y'all, maybe the first time jumping in, legendary is just how are you pushing yourself to, to better yourself, continuously growing um, in any way. Um, we know that we get to grow, we got to get outside our comfort zones. And, and in, in order to do that, to leave a, a legacy for those that are coming, we got to push past what we our limitations. And so... Living legendary, man. For this week, living legendary for me, um, it comes down to the fact that I'm coaching my son's soccer team. Okay. Yeah, that's real legendary for me because I grew up without my father, uh, and, and and the man never came to none of my sporting events, none of my games, none of nothing. And so, like, I don't even really know nothing about soccer. I got kind of asked to do the joint, but um, both my sons are playing, and they. I told them I was coaching and just to see how hyped they were, and, you know, and to be on the sidelines, and it's like, yo, Yo, that's your dad, right? And, and, and like, I'm coaching the whole team, and it's just fire um, to see them. They're growing up with a whole different thing. So, for me, I'm living legendary because I'm trying to learn about soccer, Tiger June, and, and I'm, I'm coaching my sons. And and uh, and we won. The, the yeah. game that I coached last Saturday, we won 7-2. 7-2? That's seven a blowout. 7-2. That's yeah. a blowout. No, but blowout. I got some ballers. I got some oh, yeah. ballers. No, no, I got, I, got, yo, I got some ballers on the squad, yeah. for real. But, uh, but that's how I'm living legendary, man. So, June, what well, about you? Yeah, the way I'm living legendary. So, I actually had a conversation with my brother, Kiko, on, what was it, this week, I believe, um, about getting back into singing. You know what I'm saying? So, about two and a half years ago, I stopped singing, you know, and I've been doing that since I was, like, 14. Hit it so. with a little falsetto, hey, June. No. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, man, I, I think it's time. And the, the ones that were pushing me were actually my, my kids. Yeah. My kids was like, Bob, when you going to get back into singing? You know what I'm saying? We miss you singing and stuff like that. And, you know what I'm saying, for whatever reason, in my head, I was like, ah, right now is not the time. Um, but just started praying through some stuff and, and um, just felt like it was the time, right? So I'm um, just kind of get back into it um, slowly by little, you know, little by little. Um, and started the conversation with my brother Kiko because he's the... He's the worship director at the church that we go to, so um, so he's gonna be my boss there. So that's weird. <laughs> and listen, and listen, if y'all haven't heard June sing, you can go to our YouTube page. We were, we did a we did an album like a yeah. little EP yeah. um, in 2020 when we couldn't go into DYS called Letters to DYS, yeah. and uh, and June's on there. So you can go to our YouTube channel, which and, is Legendary Legacy. And also, Ron was throwing some bars too. I did. I got I got I got 16 on one yeah. of the joints. I got 16 on one of the joints, but. We're not talking about so that. So how about you, Tiger? How are you, how are you living legendary? Um, I'm living legendary with uh, because I'm on the Legendary Legacy show today. Hey. Podcast. Appreciate you. You know what I mean? I appreciate you brothers having me. That's my legendary moment today. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. Absolutely. So listen, I'm, we're going to jump right into it, man. Um, so for all our listeners letting you know how, how we even, who Tiger, how we even got on it before he um, jumps on, we were on a, a joint training. Uh, with our brother Tiger, and uh, through Roca, it was yeah, it was, it was shout called out the, to Roca. Yeah. Shout out to Roca for real. Yeah, um, absolutely. Shout out to Roca. All of them. Yeah. Um, but what it was, it was a group training for uh, organizations and, and and similar folks that are doing this work with um, those that are caught up in the criminal justice system on any part of it, whether they are in some activities that might end them up there or currently returning from it, whatever it may be, and so. Tiger does some of that work. We'll let him let him chop it. But the the rewire was really digging into some of the um the ways that we think and really helping us to equip ourselves and get the tools we need mm-hmm. to th- really first help ourselves, um, and then be able to help the participants and brothers we're working with on how to think through and make wise decisions um, and not get caught up. So uh, I know June got to talk. We had some breakout rooms and stuff, and then like. My man June came back after the first breakout room. He was like, "Yo, Ron, this dude Tiger is nuts, bro." I was yo, like, "What I you was mean?" Like, yo, we need to get him on the podcast or just just build with him. I was like, "He's just different." He reminds me a lot of our boy Miguel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just man, you know, I heard a little bit of your story. Um, Thank you. You know, brother. some of the um, breakout rooms yes. and man, he's just full of wisdom. And I was like, "Yo, we gotta get homeboy on." So I I reached out to him and he was like, "Yeah, for sure, man. Let me know, man. I'm I'm, I'm with it." So we're excited to have you and hear your story today, brother. So with that, man. Um, Appreciate y'all having me. One of, the, one, of, one of the ways we usually kick that off is a simple question. You answer however you want is how did you get here? How did you get here? 
to this podcast or how did I, you know what I mean? To yeah, where to I'm this place, today. to the fact um, that we chopping it with you. Like, what, what's your story? What, what was the trip? How did you get here? All right, so um, my name is, let me introduce myself For first. Sure. My name is Tyrone Whitaker. My name is Tyrone Whitaker. Um, I'm from New Haven, Connecticut, born and raised. I'm 51 years old. Um, I'm glad to be here today. Um, glad you guys had me on. Just want to talk about uh, my lifestyle. You know, um, I'm here now because I'm a violence prevention professional at Connecticut Violence Intervention Program. Um, that's my current position. But before that, uh, at 16 years old, um, I was running the streets, selling a lot of drugs into a lot of gang activity. And at 16 years old, I, I took another man's life. Mm. Uh, I was, uh, and I was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Um, from 17 years old, I turned 17 while I was incarcerated. From 17 years old to 47, I was incarcerated. Um, I walked out of prison August 17th of 2017. And thank you. Um, in August, this August seventeenth, this year will be four years um, okay. that I've been home. Welcome um, home. Yeah, welcome home, my thank guy. you. And um, just my life uh, at that point, um, sixteen years old. I said I was out here in the streets doing a lot of a lot of uh, shooting and selling drugs. And like I said, I took somebody's life. And at that point, uh, I went to jail. And from like. Damn, Devil's alive, man, for real. We gonna have. See, I was mad at the world. After judge, prosecutor, by the Hattie. Are we good? Yeah, you just um, you froze a little. Oh, okay. All right. And then, you know, with, 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 with that, I served, you know, while I was incarcerated, I still was doing a lot of the same things. I said, you know what I mean? With the violence, gangs, selling drugs. And then, you know, like I said, for the first 10 years, I was just into a lot of the bull crap, not realizing, you know what I mean? Not caring about my life because I felt like my life was over. When I was sentenced to 50 years at a young age, at 17 years old, I just didn't care about life anymore. You know, it's just my mentality had changed completely, like from this angry young teenager to now I'm like sitting in prison with a 50 year sentence that I can't even see. I can't even, I, like when I get my timesheet and my timesheet says 2020 something wow. and it's 1989. Wow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So That's right. this is the, this is the reality that I had to face. And, and when I had to face that reality, you know, it's like, wow. And then, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and hold nobody and tell nobody, that I'm this tough guy and I'm just a macho guy. When they slammed that door after I got sentenced to 50 years in prison, I cried like a baby. Mm, I imagine. cried like I cried it. I needed my mother. I wanted my mother. You Ooh. know what I mean? At that time, that teen, that young teenage kid became a young teenage kid again. He was doing man things, and then when wow. the hammer was sit down on him, he turned into that young kid again. And I was wanting my mother. I wanted to deal with my. I wanted my mother, but my mother couldn't help me in this sense. You know what I mean? Because now I'm got to accept this as a man. And, you know, and when I finally realized, like I said, when I looked in that mirror and I didn't respect the person that was looking back at me, you know what I mean? I was disgusted. By you know, I had to change my life. I had to change my way. I had to change my actions. I know I had a daughter that needed to, she had to look up to something. She had to somebody, she had to have somebody to look up to. She had to have a role model, somebody that, even though I was incarcerated, I still wanted her to, you know, to, to look up, to see her father in a different light, you know, because I know I let my child down by being incarcerated when she was only four months old. Wow. Like, and, and, and when I when I was released from prison, she was 30 years old. So, wow. you know, I missed her whole existence, her whole life. I missed her prom, her all of that. So well, I would try to tell people. That's heavy. When you when, when you when you are incarcerated, you take not only yourself, you take everybody with you. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a whole different another world when you go into incarceration. And I try to tell people, your, your, when your mother got to come up there and be humiliated and go through a metal detector and be pat down and touched by people that she shouldn't be touched by and things like that. The humiliating things they do, the sacrifices they make to come to make sure you are right. So <clears throat> dealing with this, and I had a lot of untreated trauma, like I said. I had a lot of untreated trauma where I went through. Where I know that I see my father, 
my father was just a person that was just about nothing. His life was about hustling. He, he was a hustler. He was in the street. He was a heavy drinker. And he taught me everything wrong in life. You know, everything I learned about negative about the streets, I learned from him. And being 10 years old, being in pool halls and holding guns for him while he gambling, you know, watching out while he robbed stores and, you know, things like that. And it's just con women and just manipulate women. It was just a whole thing that I seen my father do. But me being a young kid at that age, I looked up to my father. For sure, for sure. It was somebody I thought was the greatest thing in, 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 in the sense, you know, we got Pumas or, or, or things like that. So <laughs> I I quickly, after I got sentenced, me and my father relationship, it just it just plummeted. I just, I hated him. I couldn't really, I, I didn't like him. Like, you know what I mean? That's just, it's, it's the truth. I just, how I felt. I felt like he was the reason why I was where I was at. Yeah. And and when people say, you can't blame people for your for, for what you did. Yes, you can. You can blame your, your upbringing. You can blame your parents if they're not giving you the proper guidance. They're not mm. teaching you the right from wrong. You can blame somebody. Mm. Them the people you can blame. I can't blame the judge or the, the people that sent to me, but I can blame my father because he put me on that trail. Yeah. And when I was incarcerated, and like I, I started the program called SOS, where we met with the lawyers, we met with mayors, we met with uh, 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 city officials, we met with a whole bunch of people. And... One thing I asked the kid, one of the kids when we was in our program, I said, "Go back into your life and recognize where did you your problem start? Where did it go way back and let you let me know where did this issue start from?" For sure. And I and I did the assignment myself, and I went back, and I it traced back to my father. So you, you, know, said, you said issues. SOS. So, so tell, tell us about SOS. What was the program? Okay. Was it something that um, it was on the inside? On the outside? inside, outside. Yes. You know, some counselors did it. Or okay, SOS program was uh, uh, me and six other gentlemen started the program. It's called Skills of Socialization. Uh, we created our own curriculum. Um, okay. We have a curriculum. I I got my own curriculum. I still carry it around today. Uh, <laughs> it was fine, very man. successful. Is peer to peer. Um, is uh, 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 how you treat women, respect for women, is, uh, 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 thinking patterns. We had a whole bunch of things that we, we created, like, you know what I mean? Uh, mock uh, job interviews, things like that, you know? Yeah. And, um, it was a peer-to-peer program that we, uh, we graduated over 500 uh, inmates. Wow. Uh, it, was volu- it was volunteer at the time when the program was uh, dismantled and we had a, a waiting list of over 400 inmates that was incarcerated and he said he had a wait list of 400 yes and the the program was so successful it went to another uh uh, facility but what they did they applied the facility the uh, program to the young the youth in nyis the manson youth institution where all the teenage kids go Mm -hmm. they was busting the kids up to my to our facility every thursday morning to spend three hours with us those kids spent three hours with us doing our program let's go and we yeah, and we graduated 40, 43 of them from NY, and we had we had guys that became mentors and, you know, things like that. So I thought that that was the most powerful thing for me, too, is just the creation of the program and dealing with the issues and going through the program. When we was doing the, uh, the lessons and the, and, the, and the work, I was doing the work also. Even yeah. when I was one of the creators of the program, I still participated and did mm-hmm. the work. And when I was doing the work, the work was was healing me, mm-hmm. right? But it's so powerful when you could get grown men in a room, and a grown man could tell you that he'd been through some sexual molested, or he was physically abused when he was younger. These are men that's incarcerated, so these right. are powerful stories. Right. That you know, when a man, when somebody can't read or write, and they stand up, and and I have powerful moments, like I have memories from when I was incarcerated. Like we we had a kid that couldn't read, and two guys stood up beside him and read his assignment for him. You know what mm. I mean? And it just was a powerful moment in that room that somebody was helping somebody else. Yeah. And we was bringing these brothers together. And we all cried in that room. We it's cried beautiful. that day because yeah. that's a powerful moment. You it know what is. I mean? Because that's sacred, they bro. did some, yeah, they was helping. You know what I mean? They had that compassion for this brother. You know, usually he might've went through life and somebody laughed at him or cut on him because he couldn't read. Right. You're in jail, you're a certain age, you're, you're embarrassed to tell somebody you can't read. Right. You know what I mean? So it's the way you approach that. But through that process, it helped me. It taught me. It taught me a lot. And um, I took a lot of those life skills that we learned from SOS program, and I brought it 
to when I was released and I was uh, uh, in 2017. So when I came home, this is the passion that I wanted to be part of. You know what I'm saying? I wanted so to, you was already I wanted to doing this work. You was, you was already, what I'm hearing is you was already doing this work. This was like, bro, I'm, I'm locked in on this. My man was killing it inside. <laughs> on the inside. Yeah. I'm already doing Brother. this work. So once, once I come home, like, it's not, oh, let me find something. To, like, I'm doing it now. He already like, knew his purpose, right? Yes. He understood the assignment. And, and, yeah. and, like, and like I said to you before, Mr. Outlaw, uh, my best friend, like, he was already doing the work out here already. Mm. So, and when we used to call, when I was calling on the phone, we used to have these conversations about life and just about how we going, what we want to do and stuff like that. And that's just called evolving when you go away. Mm-hmm. When you go away to prison, it's called changing. He went and educated himself. He got, you know what I mean? He took college courses, came home. Now he's been a community outreach worker for over a decade. So, yeah. and, and you know what I mean? And, and, you know, and he's being successful at it because it's not just easy work. You have to learn your skill. When you're a community outreach worker, you have to learn your skill. You have to learn body language. You have to learn a whole bunch of things that goes on with these kids that we have to learn different languages that they talk. Or <laughs> it's, it's, just, real. it's just, it's just, a, it's a full-time job. It's real. Like, you know what I mean? So if you, if you're not paying attention, you, Mr. Outlaw and me, when I was already incarcerated doing a lot of these things. And when I was incarcerated, I took on the role of the chairman of our, our program, our group. So I said, you know, Robert Rules of Order, we should do meetings and have with these high ranking officials. That's how I learned how to run a meeting or you know, articulate myself, have mm-hmm. these conversations with these high ranking officials and get my point across because some of these federal judges that came in, he thanked us when he left because he said, Y'all taught me something today. He said, you taught me something. You taught me that it's not what I thought when I sentenced a person, that a person comes in here wow. and stays the same. You show me difference. I, and I told him, everybody not like this incarcer- that's incarcerated. Everybody will come to jail and, and, and rehabilitate themselves. But there's a lot that is. And I think more of the, 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 uh, the, uh, the court system should look into these things. When you sentence somebody to a large amount of time, I think it's your duty to be able to go back and, you know, uh, see what these these kids are doing, see what this guy is mm-hmm. doing, see 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 what what is what how he's changed, get an evaluation on him, you know what I mean? Make sure he's doing the right things that he's supposed to be doing, you know what I mean? Or or if he's not doing the right things, but your your last thought of him is that he took somebody's life and he was a he was a bad guy and he he he's never going to amount to nothing. Mm-hmm. So, and that's probably what they thought about me when they sent this me, you know, when they sent me to 50 years in prison, they said, your life is over. Yeah. You know what I mean, no, you don't, you don't good. need it. You don't, you don't need a second chance. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, really and my brain wasn't developed enough for me to understand it and be, you know, competent enough to know right from wrong in the sense of, you know, those things. We mature when we get older. Mm-hmm. A grown man is considered a grown man. We're 25 years old. You a grown man. Yeah. But when you, when you got teen on your on, on, on when you when you got teen on, on your last number, you're a teenager. Think about that. Like we got to think about that as our, our kids go through society now. A teenager shouldn't be sentenced to a large amount of time because you're destroying his mind. You're a whole you're different destroying person. Destroying his soul. Whole different person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen se- destroying... between seventeen and a third. I'm even thinking myself, bro. Seventeen and thirty-two. That's bro. I, you, I'm not even the same dude. Absolutely not. Like you know, you you you. From 17 to 32, when you get to 32, you're a totally different person. Facts. You know Facts. what I mean? You don't grow mature. You got a lot more knowledge. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You, 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 your brain is strengthened enough where you could know you could you could live in society without a parent. As you know, I mean, when you're teenagers, you live in a society as a, you have being raised by a parent. You know what I mean? Being a grown adult means a grown adult. Like, you know what I mean? We, these kids nowadays try to take on this role as being a grown adult. There's a lot more responsibility that comes with just out here making these decisions. You want to shoot a gun or you want to sell drugs. That's not being a grown up. That's just, I mean, doing something harming your community. A grown up is paying bills, living the right way. You know what I mean? Being a productive citizen in our society. That's a grown up. You know what I mean? Giving back to your community in what way you can. It's, it could be little stuff. You know what I mean? But we as we as individuals, we we get stuck on. A lot of these kids are stuck on materialistic items. Yeah. Oh man, you know I mean? talk and about this, that for real. <laughs> and, and this and, and this is the this is the main thing like like right now looking at these kids. It's just oh, Tiger, all t- about tilt your, ca- your camera up just a little bit. Yeah, the top part of your head got cut off a little bit. Yeah, right there. There you go. Yeah. 
right. And I, I want people to understand that materialistic stuff is just, it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Anything we own, like this hat, this all this stuff comes and goes. You know what I mean? It's replaceable because you get old, you got to replace it anyway. You got to buy something new. You know what I mean? So I try to tell them, don't put so much value into a pair of sneakers that cost five hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's just not want to hurt each other over a pair of five hundred dollars sneakers because it's a the material only costs two dollars to make. You see what I'm saying? So let's Facts. let's just keep let's just let's just let's just do the knowledge to it. You know what I mean? And these and I want. Our, our kids to value more than just a pair of jeans and a pair of sneakers and a and a pair and a and a nice coat and a you know and a nice eye and an iPhone. No, there's so much more in life. Let's educate our kids culturally. Let's take them to an art museum. Let's take yep. them to a, a, a let's take them to show them about the history. Let's mm-hmm. give them some insight on what life is really about and our stories and what we and how we carry ourselves. You know. Like I said, the superhero term stands for, you know what I mean, us being available for somebody 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? It's not it's not a sleep job. We can't say, well, I'm off for the weekend. No, you're not. You can say you're off, but you're not. Because if your kid call you at, at, on Saturday, you're going to go. You're going to go to him. You're going to make sure he's all right. If a kid calls me on Sunday, I'm going to make sure he's all right. I'm going to do everything in my power. So my job is a seven-day job is a 24-hour job. It's not something that I take lightly and I want to take lightly. I love what I do. Trust me. I love what I do. It's like my, it's like I tell people it's a redemption story for me because at some point I was a person that committed crimes and took people's lives and just did so much negative stuff in my community. So it's a pleasure for me. It's an honor for me to come back out here and give back the right way. You when know? you came, when it's you, a, so, so when you came back, you was already doing the work. The SOS program was busting. Uh man, you was meeting federal judges, all this man, right? So when you got back, it must have been it must have been easy for you because you got back, you hit the community, you was ready to rock. I mean, what was it like yeah. getting back? Was it was it was it was it tough? Talk yeah. to me, man. Any it, challenges? It 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 is it, 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 it a challenge. You know what my challenge was? What's that? When I when when I left society, I was this person. I was just I was, I had this reputation of being this person. You understand what I'm saying? So I was this person. I was Tiger. I was this. I was this. I was that. And everything that came with that that label at that time was negative. So the the, the hard part about coming home is that people seeing that that you are different. You know what I mean? You have to prove that you are different. Mm. So if I'm saying I want to be a community outreach worker, they like, yeah, I you really, <laughs> you try, yeah. You try, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? You'll be on the community by probably selling drugs. You try to you try to yeah, look good on the I surface, thought, but on the yeah, low, you might yeah, still be pushing. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought. I, you know, I, I, I assumed you was coming out to sell drugs and do the same thing you did before. You know what I mean? So, and I say, that's the hardest part, like is getting acclimated with your community and letting them understand who you are now and what you're about and getting them to believe in who you are and what you're about. And now I have my, my trust in my community where they know who I am. They know I stand for this. They know I don't stand for gun. They I, I'm not a, about gun violence. I'm not about selling drugs. I do not. I don't want nobody poisoning our communities. I hate that. Mm. You know what I mean? I hate to see a, a black man or a Spanish, a Latino uh, sitting there on homeless, and I know he's on drugs. You know what I mean? Because I know one of our, our kids or somebody in our community poisoned him. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the anger we got to have. Yeah. When you see these homeless kids and he's drunk and he's high he's on drugs, somebody, one of our young kids in our communities is selling this poison to this man. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And you're killing off our community. And then we, what we got to understand is that it is just the communities we understand. It's a worldwide thing. We know this. Yeah. I mean, it's in yeah. the United States. It's just out there. It's just some, some are worse than others. Yeah. And we know that. And But what we have to maintain is the persistence of Mm-hmm. Continuing to speak and say the word, and 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 it's being out there, being in the physical, and giving people that comfort and that support that they need. Because communities are left, they communities are left for dead pretty much sometimes. Yeah. What would you, say, what would you say? What would you say to? Because 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 there's folks that's just like, nah, bro, you just need to lock them up, bro. Like mm-hmm. the, the 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 way to fix it is just lock them all up, man. These is they bad folk, bro. Um, Ain't ain't no redeeming them, bro. Like yeah. lock them up. That's what ain't we gotta no, do. We need more prisons. Change, yeah. what, 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 what you say to the, what we say to them folks? <laughs> I say to them folks. I say I say I say I say I hear from I them all the time. Folks, That's why. Uh, uh, shame on you because mm. 
you say, and when I say, and let's just let's just do the knowledge. If you if you lock an angry angry teenager up, right? You lock him up for thirty years, right? Do you think at at some point, some people don't learn? So you're creating these monsters, right? You're telling this person that um, you tell them like lock him up. Like I'm, what we trying to do out here is prevent prison. Facts. That's our thing. We want to prevent prison. We want to prevent uh, uh, heightening these numbers that the 68% of the the blacks and Latinos are incarcerated around this world. We, we understand these, these are numbers. Like we got these numbers. Hard facts. These is real. These are hard facts. So what we're trying to understand is that we're trying to prevent our thing is like we say violence pro- professional prevention. Professionals, that's what it means. We're trying to prevent you from getting incarcerated. Exactly. We're trying to prevent you from going to jail. I don't want to see nobody going to jail. But if you commit a crime and it's very serious and when you have to go to jail, you have to serve, you have to pay for your consequence. You have to deal, you have, if you commit a crime, you got to pay for your crime. That's what I'm saying too. But what we're trying to do, I don't want to see nobody behind right. bars. Because right, I, yeah. I know what it does to you. And I've seen what it does to people mentally. Physically, yeah, I was gonna ask you because you know, you know, I I get the challenge into trying to prove yourself. How was it like? How was that process with your daughter? You know, I'm saying for you know, she was four months before you get locked up, and then you know, I'm saying she's 30 years old. You know, I'm saying how was that process? You know, I'm saying I know that she's seeing daddy behind bars and all that. You know, I'm saying um. But now you're there. You're you're you know, I'm saying you've missed a lot of time. How was it? If you could talk about it, how do you it? start that conversation? Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like uh, to me, one thing I always felt like I wanted to do with my daughter is always be truthful to her. Yeah. You know, we have we have some guys that go to prison and they kids are young and they little and they start telling them that they off in college. Yeah, and yeah I've, I've I heard think, that. And, and yeah, I think one guy said he's he's, the, a tru- the, he's he's a truck driver. He's still telling his yeah. daughter that she, he's yeah. a truck driver. So it's like. I've heard that before. Yeah. It's like, that's what I'm saying. And we, the one thing I feel like we have to do is the reality of it is you have to tell your kid the truth. Mm. If, and that, and that, and that was one of the hardest conversations I had to have with my daughter. You know what I mean? They was telling her I was in, in, in college and all that. And I had told her, no, your, your father's incarcerated. Your father's in jail. Wow. Your father committed, committed a crime. Your father did something bad and he ended up in jail. So yeah, she cried. She was, you know, and, and then I think, me and her relationship from that kind of made it, we kind of evolved. We got mad closer because mm. she knew my situation. Yeah. She didn't just think her father was off at college. She knew her father did some bad. He was in a situation where, you know, she she can not really understand it, but she knew what was going on. Right. Uh, and then once upon, like during incarceration, you know, but my daughter was raised by my mother. Like Ooh. at some point when, when I went to, when I was incarcerated, my child's mother, uh, my mother went and got my child, my child. So I had hands on my child while I was incarcerated. That's some, beautiful. Like if maybe she still might get caught in the system, whatever, bro. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. My that's what I'm saying. And, yeah. And, and the thing that I always say when I walked out of prison, um, our relationship was rocky. It was. I have a beautiful granddaughter. She's six years old, Emily. But, you know, my relationship with my daughter was rocky. It was very rocky. You know what I mean? It's just because we don't really know each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was this guy that's coming into her life after being incarcerated for 30 years. And this is a guy that she really didn't know on a Mm. personal level, really, to sit down and talk to. She might have talked to me on the phone and stuff like that. But I'm hearing her face now. Like, so it was very difficult. I always tell people when I came home, I made sure I did the therapy. I went to therapy. I made sure I got, you know what I mean? Shout out to therapy, guys bro. that took Real, care of because that helped nothing. me fix my relationship with my daughter. Therapy, and, 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 I, and I'm going to say this, and I want to I want to big up therapy. I want to say this to, to people. Don't be afraid to go to therapy. Don't be afraid to, to go and, and deal with what's going on with you because if you carry that around, that don't breed great results it don't so we have to as, as me going to a therapist when i came home helped me immensely it helped me a lot it took me it helped me repair my relationship with my daughter it helped me kind of focus on a lot of things that i need to focus on because i got to release a lot of the stuff that i need to release when i came home you know what i mean because you know it's overwhelming when you walk out yeah. after doing 30 years yeah and i mean everything everything is moving fast you know what i mean stuff like that so you into like a strange world you're like an alien in a strange world so yeah. you, you're trying to <laughs> figure it out and navigate through what's going on and stuff like that. And then re- 
prepare relationships with your daughter, and then you know it's it's like it's like you know so the, the emotional we, weight of everything, bro. Gosh, I can't imagine. It, yeah, yes, and I just never dealt with uh, losing my mother. Like when she passed away in 2012, I was incarcerated, so I dealt with it, no, but sorry, I didn't brother. deal with it. I I didn't deal with it. You so coming it, home, yeah, yeah. So I I, I kind of like put it in and internally, and then when I got out. Full fledged, it just came out of me. You know what I mean? I just yeah. my 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 grieving grieving and my pain was just it was hard. You know what I mean? Like like therapy helped me through that process. You know what I mean? Because one thing I wanted my mother to do was see me walk out of those doors for when sure. I walked for out. For sure, for sure. Because she she was there when they put the handcuffs on me and locked right. me up. So the reward for her was to watch her son walk out. Mm. You know what I mean? So I carry that burden with me every day. You know what I mean? I feel like I put that pressure on my mother too while being incarcerated. You know what I mean? Cause me and my mother was so tight, was mad, was like best friends. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's the best relationship you can have. That was my yeah. superhero. Like, you know what I mean? She was my homie, my mother, my best friend. She taught me everything I know about a woman. She taught me everything. You know what yeah. I mean, I ain't learned that from a guy. I learned that from yeah, my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out you know mom. I mean? So yeah. shout out to mom. Shout out to all moms. You know what I mean? Real I, talk, I salute real all talk. queens, man. Yes. Yeah, superheroes, I, one thing man. I can say to they superhero, I want people to understand that you only get one. Yeah. You only get one mother. And I understand. I want people to understand that. And we always got to respect our queen, man. They gave us life. You know what I mean? They're the creator of us. You know what I mean? They, 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 and we got to honor that. And I feel like we don't, as some people, don't honor their mothers the way they should do. You, you know, know, you, know you, you know, Tiger, there's this, uh, I forget what tribe, there's, what country it is, but there's a tribe in Africa. And I remember I was learning about this when I was doing some research on indigenous practices. And so um, you talk about honoring mothers on the child's birthday, they get a gift for the mom mm. because it's like, yo, on my birthday, I didn't do nothing. You did all the work. The gift should be for you. Like right now, like I get gifts on my birthday for what? What, so true, what did man. I do? And Absolutely. so it's, it's a way to, to honor honor the mothers in that in that particular culture. I thought that was real dope. I'd start doing that to them for my mom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That and, 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 that's what, whoa, that's listen. And what you just said is some that's real because. <laughs> On on your kid's birthday, yeah, they should give a gift to the mother because the mother did birth him, right? That's what that you, she did you, all the work. You gave me the gift you of life because of her. <laughs> you gave me the gift of <laughs> yes, life. How am I not true, giving man. you? What am I looking for on my birthday? Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be here yeah. to get nothing if it wasn't for you. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. So kids, oh, oh, yeah, that, that's true, brother. That's that's a true statement. I like that. I'm gonna take that with me. I'm making sure my kids are <laughs> listening. <laughs> well, here's the other thing, though. But I, we was talking uh, around this whole thing around mothers, fathers. We were we were talking before, and you brought up something, Tiger. That I think is really important, man. This phrase that you said is like we're reparenting um, a, 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 a lot of the the, the young mm -hmm. the people that we're working with, yeah. man. Um, talk about that a little bit. This idea that of reparenting. Yes. All right. As a as a as a violence prevention professional, you know, when we work in these professions, you know, community outreach worker, we, we take on this responsibility as we pretty much raising these kids. We get kids at young age. We're raising these kids. We're helping raising these kids. It takes a village to help raise these kids, but yeah. we're helping to raise the kids because, you know, um, like I said, it's kind of like reparenting. Like we, 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 we surrogate parents. Like, you know what I mean? Cause you do, you would do anything for this kid. You want to make sure this kid's right. You would get up and out your bed and make sure this kid got to get where you got to go. Things like that. So, Obviously, you're taking care of this kid as if this kid was your own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you want him to succeed. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and the, the opportunity that you could give him, you know what I mean? And I want everybody to understand, like, we don't, like, I don't see myself as a role model, but I am. Because mm -hmm. I'm mentoring kids. Mm -hmm. And they're following my, they're following my lead. Yeah. Lead. So when you don't, by example, you know what I mean? We're leaders. A role model was a leader. You know what I mean? And we're, if you're a leader, you're a role model. You know what I mean? So let's just erase all that. People talking about we're not role models. You are a role model. If you have a child or you have a grandchild or you have anybody, a little sister, a little brother, they follow your lead. So you're, you're a role model. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So if, if I go out here and do some, a crime and my little brother coming up behind me, he's going to want to do what his brother do. He's yeah. going to want to do what his older brother do. So when I say we parenting, we are parenting. We are parenting these kids where, you know, we making sure they got the necessities, you know, uh, we talking to them. We, you know, what I mean, we hearing them out. We, 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 you know, we doing all the parenting things. Plus, yeah. we giving them the knowledge and trying to keep them out of trouble. Yeah. So you know what I mean. So it's it's a surrogacy thing. Like you know, we are parents. I love that, man. Uh, Tiger, we got about five minutes, man. You said a lot all of right, great brother. stuff, man. Um, 
But if you could, um, well, a little more than five minutes, right? Um, That's what's up. All right. But, you know, we, we do this podcast uh, for the brothers to, to listen, right? To listen to your story. Mm-hmm. And I actually found out the other day that some brothers on the end, they actually listen to the podcast as well because they got access. So um, if you could give them advice, you know what I'm saying? What would it be? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like just share I'm a, some I'm knowledge. A, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, before you answer the question, mm-hmm. Tiger, I'm going I'm to break it into two. Mm-hmm. The first right. one is, what advice would you give to 17-year-old Tyrone Whitaker? Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also, what would you tell that yourself as you look back four years as you was coming out? What might you share in both them different situations, mm-hmm. if that if that makes sense? All right. Yeah, it does. Uh, uh, the 17-year-old kid, the advice I would give the 17-year-old kid now, um, it's just to slow down, um, get yourself together, uh, deal with your anger. Uh, at the, my, my 17-year-old self had a lot of anger. I mean, like, that's the only thing my mother used to say, but you, you angry as hell. That's what she said to me all the time. You're just so angry. Um, but it was the thing. I would just say, uh, I would tell the 17-year-old me that it's going to be all right. You know, mm. it's going to be all right. That. You don't have to choose this life. It's going to be all right, you know, because a lot of the things I did at 17 when I was hustling and selling drugs, my family needed me and they Got needed you. what Got I was you. doing mm-hmm. at the time. And I don't, I don't That's make real. that as an excuse. No, 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 no but I, I would hear never you. use that as an excuse. But I, I, I know my, 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 I took care of my family through what I was doing, and yeah. I, I was the breadwinner at a certain sense. That is, the, the burden I took on at 17 is just I didn't want to take that burden on. You know what I mean? And um, and I would tell the 17 year old me is just you know what I mean. Go to school, get an education. I was somebody that was very, very, and I don't like to shoot my horn, but I was a very great basketball player. Gotcha. I was very, I could have been a division one basketball player. I could have took it to the next level. Let's I've out. been told that, I've been told that a million times. I've been, like, I had a basketball coach, Mr. A told me this, and he used to push me. But, and I, and I, that's one of the, the one of the things that I regret, like, as I, as I get older, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? And when you look back on it, it's like, well, I had all this talent, right? Mm. And I could have took, I could have took it somewhere, you know. It's yeah. just, it just, it just, it's just sad, like you know what I mean. And that, and that I'm just one of a million, a million guys that probably went through the same thing that had sure. this talent yep, yep. and got caught on the street. And the person, what I would say to the person that's walking out uh, of prison now and four years later is that, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I'm proud of who you have become. I'm proud of your your continuous journey. I'm proud of the way you carry yourself. I'm proud of what you're doing in the community. Um, I'm proud of you have of who how, how how much of a father you have become. How much a great grandfather you is. That's awesome, like man. how much a great friend, just a great friend, just a great brother, just just being a great person. I would say I'm proud of myself, and just to keep up the good work and just never feel like enough is enough. We need more. We can never say enough is enough. Like, you know what I mean? We can never f- save one life over here and be like, oh, I saved one life, so I'm good. No, there's more lives out here that need to be saved. You know what I mean? And like I said, we throw our cape on, man. We we where we at. But the for, the person now uh, is, is a person that I, I truly respect. Right. I truly honor. I honor me and I respect me now. And I have that self-worth that I didn't have when I was 17 years old. I value me. Um, um, and, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident in myself and what I do and, and, and my passion for who I am and what I do. Like, for sure, for sure. Job. And I love my coworkers. And I mean, I love coming to work. This is a, just, this like, this is like, I would say, if you have a job that you love, it's never work. You know I mean? You never consider yeah. it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love to come to my building and, and hang out with my coworkers and, you know what I mean? Cause that's just me evolving and being a different person now and just changing my ways and action. And I just, the smaller things I say now to my four year the smaller things are more valuable to me and more important to me now. You know what I mean? Just the fact of taking a ride and looking at the trees and just the regular normal stuff. You know what I mean? That we never settle down as young teens to really realize and, and, and look at just how to, you know, just how the world works. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot of world out here. And there's a lot of like, you know what I mean? Just me connecting with y'all and meeting y'all. You Pass. know what I mean? Through the process that we went through you know what i mean it just you know what i mean a lot of opportunities are for us and open up for us 
through, through the work that I'm doing. And I, I'm very appreciative. And, I'm, I, and I mean, I salute you brothers for what y'all do. And I mean, it's always for, you know what I mean? It's always a pleasure to, you know, uh, have these conversations with y'all. Nah, bro, we appreciate you, man. And uh, I, I also want to add my, 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 my words of, I'm proud of you, brother. Thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, brother. You're 100% a role model to me. You're 100% an inspiration uh, to me um, in the work that we do. Like you said, man, the work is hard. Um, it's it's emotionally draining, spiritually draining. Um, how and, and with that, how do you how do you continue to feed your own soul, bro? Like mm-hmm. how, you know question. what I'm saying? Like you can't pour from an empty cup. So we doing all this hard work. What do you do for yourself, bro? I have to like. And that's the thing too, like you know what I mean. It's 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 to me. I'm a like I can tell myself in a sense. I'm a loner in a sense. Like you know what I mean. Sometimes I'm, I'm by myself a lot. You know what I mean. If I'm with my kids, I'm at work. Pretty much I'm by myself, and that's kind of my time to kind of regroup. Like For you know sure. what I mean, and get myself health. You know what I mean. Just get my mind together. Like you know, sometimes I might just take a ride. You know what I mean, and just put the top down, just get out and just, but it's gathering my thoughts. You yep. know what I mean? It's getting myself back together. It's regrouping me. It's re-energizing me for the next day. Or, you know what I mean? It's just a, cause I tell people like, it's a motivation just to wake up every day. Mm-hmm. It's motivation. Mm, I like you know that. I mean, sometimes you, you don't, you don't, sometimes you don't have the energy. Sometimes you want to lay in that bed all day. Sometimes it might be something that be holding you in that bed. You like, I got to get up. My kid need me today. My guy need me today. I got to get up. You know what I mean? You, I, I don't want to miss, I don't want to be like, I want to, you know, so, what we do like today is I, I like self help is that we do like we wanna we're gonna start doing a lot of stuff. We're gonna do retreats. Word. We wanna do retreats. Yeah. Um I think meditation is good. Yeah, I'm you know on that. I mean? uh, all that, you know what I mean? I just need to learn how to do that more. You know for what sure, I mean? Like for sure. uh, the process, you know what I mean? Like doing more meditation and spiritual time as far as like getting your thoughts together. Because mm-hmm. this work is draining. You know what I mean? Is. Like we could like tomorrow, like today, yesterday, I could have lost somebody. We lost right. a young kid recently in the last couple of days. I'm sorry, you know what I mean? bro. And and you know, and somebody that was part of the program. You know what yeah. I mean? And and that's the things that you know we have to deal with. That's the inner hurt that we have to deal with, and just you know, but we had to carry on because we're trying to save the next kid. You know what I mean? And and and, and when somebody passes away, when a young kid passes away, is a is a black stain on us. We we got to take that. We gotta we gotta be better. That's what we gotta say. We gotta get better and try to change shit, change stuff even more because yeah. we don't want to experience these lives. And this, these kids these days, they glorify these funerals. Like I just hate these funerals now. Like yeah, somebody like losing their life, but oh my god, these kids come to the funeral with new clothes on, hundred thousand dollars sneakers on, and they drinking out there, and they have it's a celebration. No, it's not a celebration. That mother over there just lost her child. Mm-hmm. Let's think about that. Yeah. That family over there just like y'all out here laughing and giggling and doing stuff. Yeah, that was my little kid's father child. or something. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. absolutely. So yeah. let's just like let's just like we got to reprogram our brains mm-hmm. and society of what is a celebration and what is you know what I mean? Was it a tragedy? You know, uh, don't hope somebody lose their life so you can go to a, a, a repast and a funeral. I mean, you can get dressed up to go there. That's right. come on. We're yeah. defeating the purpose as as people. Like it's just that's the insulting thing about what we do. Like, you know, we have to see a lot. We have to endure a lot. We have to take on a lot. And then and sometimes you don't sometimes feel like you have to, but you want to, you know. I feel like I feel like, you know, man, this 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 work of connecting with these brothers. Um, going through it, carrying it, the reparenting, all these things, man. Um, I think the work that you've done for yourself personally, though, right, which you've invested in, like you've done the work. You went through and, and looked at your hurts. Um, continue to work through them. You talked about the therapy piece. And one of the things, man, that I love in your story and everything, I, I, I've said this to other folks, like you, you, can't, you can't help somebody get somewhere you ain't going. Mm-hmm. I remember. You I remember can't. when I was little, right? Like I, my mom died when I was fifteen, and I remember like Sorry the school. That, bro. Thank you. I remember the school being like, "Yo, there's somebody gonna talk to you about it." And my first question to him was, "Did they mom die? Did they? Do they know? Like, how did it? They read some book." And I'm not trying to put off the folks that have, that are professionals in it, but there's a different. It's a, it's a, it's a different engagement, right? When you've done mm-hmm. the work yourself, you're going through, and you can you can you can help talk to that brother. Um, about yo, this is as we wrap up, bro. 
just talk a little bit about like what what that is, man, to be able to speak into like, hey, what you went through to help these brothers understand kind of on, on their path, the roadmap. Um, hey, this was going to come up, man. This frustration, I get it. Like these kind of things, bro. Yes. It's, it is. It's just uh, like, like I tell you, brother, like we have, we, like a lot of us share in common the same things. Like you've been through, you lost your moms. I lost my moms. And I just don't want, I wish that on nobody. Uh, because uh, I feel like the nurturing part of our lives, we, we lost out on. You know what I mean? Mm. Those are our nurturers. Our mother is our nurturer. Like, you know what I mean? We could have a father, whatever. Our mother is the one that nurtures. Your mother is the one that unconditionally never let you down in your life ever. You know what I mean? So you go, you could say one person in life that never let me down is your mother. You know mm. what I mean? So we take that and we hold that. That's precious to us. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I, I travel with that every day. But um, the advice I try to give these young kids now is that I've been through it. I try to share my story with them, let them know I've been through it. I've seen it. I experienced it. You never been my age. I've been your age, mm. and I'm trying to get. I'm trying to give you a, 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 a some insight, some knowledge of to what can prevent you from going down the path that I went down. Because nobody was around to tell me what I was doing wrong. They just the, the older guys was just giving me the drugs and let me go out and commit the crime. You know what I mean? So nowadays, I feel like these young kids had have an advantage because they have us. They have us to tell them that they're doing wrong. They have us to try to steer them in the right direction. You know what I mean? But we also got to let them know that we understand that there's a lot of peer pressure. There's peer pressure for young teenagers to, to, to participate in things that they probably don't want to participate in. But, you know, it's being a popular kid in high school or, or being with the popular crowd. Being the, the smart person and a geek in school is not popular. We know that. And that's what we need to make 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 clearly is that being smart and educated is popular. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But we we as these young kids from the urban communities, they think opposite of that. You know what I mean? Although it's just about if he comes in his clothes ain't up to par, then it's not he he's he's smart. He got a four point eight average, but you still want to talk about him. But this guy right here is gonna be a successful somewhere. He's gonna be rich one day, but you know what I mean? And you're gonna be still sitting around laughing at him when you feel like that is not the right thing to do. We got to reverse the curse. What I'm trying to say is these kids, what they glorify, being smart is popular. Not getting an education is not popular. That's what we would say to them. We want them to understand that. Not having an education, because I want people to stand on you. You got to have a diploma or GED. That's your foundation to be able mm -hmm. to succeed anywhere in life, anywhere. You know what I mean? If you think you're going to come out here and get a job, you need something. You need, you need a paper trail to be able to get a job. So I want them to understand. Yeah. It's not easy, you know. Like when I came home, they could they couldn't find any of my school records, my my GED from when I was incarcerated. You understand what I'm saying? They couldn't find it. None of my they lost all my records, right? So now I'm behind the eight ball. So guess what I do? I go and I knock it out. I get it. I do it all over again, even though if I didn't have to, but Sorry. I did. did Committed. You know why? Go out and do it again. So I went and took the whole test over again. You know what I mean? And I made sure, and I did it within two to three months. I sat down, I made sure I got it done. You know what I mean? It's just the perseverance. We got to understand. Education to me is important. You know what I mean? And I can't, and, and for one thing that I wanted to be able to do that for too, because if I'm telling my kid that he need to graduate from high school, he right. said, where your That's diploma it. at? And if I ain't got nothing to show him, then, what, well, then, 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 then how I'm looking. You know what I sure. mean? Even sure. though I said I did it, I got to be able to show him. You know what I mean? So I want to be able to have that paper trail to say, okay, listen, I graduated, I did mine. You know what I mean? You got to get yours. You know what I mean? So we just got to make sure we reverse the curse, tell people education is popular. Nah, you what you're doing on. is not popular. Mm -hmm. Spot on. You know what I mean? Because we, because, because, because right now we as, 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 this is my, just speaking for me. I'm not speaking for no, speaking for me. The school systems here in New Haven, Connecticut are failing our kids. Mm. That's what I feel. 100%. And I just here don't, too. it just, to yep. me, it just, that's what that's it is. You know what I mean? I don't want, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to, I, I go to see my kid at school and they tell me that my kid is graduating in, in, in June, but my kid reads on a, a freshman up, level, right? Man, he that's can't a read or write. Tiger, talk, man. <laughs> we about to wrap up. I wish we, we you know what I mean? Because that's real talk. How, yeah, that, how, we have to, we, how, 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 how? 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 How do how how do that's we get to a know. point? How do we get to a point that that's acceptable? Mm -hmm. That that's okay? Like we that's like we all know this, and we just like all right. And you know why they doing it? 
they and then when you look at the school system, they say, how many graduates you have? Oh, the graduate rate is exceptional. But how many of them don't read done been arrested and be recarcerated? It's a money thing, it's a numbers thing. And I just don't yeah. like that. That you could that you could graduate my kid and he can't read or write. So mm-hmm. how is he gonna go out and make a successful living? He's going to the street. You just gave him a diploma, he ain't gonna use it. He ain't gonna have a chance to use it because he can't he don't even know what the diploma says. He probably can't even write he didn't write his name on it. You get what I'm saying? That's real. For real. This is this is this is the 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 the, the nonsense that we go through on a daily basis, and they mm-hmm. want, and we and we have to be there for these kids. But mm-hmm. you're failing him on 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 the educational level. Man. You get what I'm saying? Man. We got to get it. We got it. We that's what I'm saying. We you want us to? They they put it on us that sometimes say, well, the community outreach work. Y'all got to make sure he's going to school. Make sure he's doing this. That's true. But yeah. when we get him in school, you make sure you he's doing the work. That's all we want you to do. Make sure he's doing the work. Make sure he's passing. Make right. sure he understand what he. The work that he's given. Make sure he's not somebody that's going to go out into society and can't read or write, and he's going to go to the street and commit a murder or take somebody's life, and then he get the, he don't know how to read or write, and then you sitting back, you go back to that school the next day, and you teaching the same kid, you ain't teaching him shit. You let him go right by again while this kid sitting up in the penitentiary with a hundred years. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you failed him and you didn't want to teach him. Mm. We gotta we 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 could teach, but they need to. That's one hundred right there. Truth, man. All 100. This is Ron signing off. Tiger. Can you hear me? We, we got you, man. Can you hear yeah. me? He's <laughs> just about to sign off, uh, bro. All right, brother. But we appreciate uh, you, man. We appreciate you joining us, man. Thank and, you so um, much, Tiger, man. It's an honor. Yeah, brother. I'm going to be... It's a, it's a pleasure, brother. And I'm We're coming down to New Haven, too, man. sometime soon. We're Facts, coming down to New man. Haven We're going over there. Soon. You got to find a good uh, food spot just to talk, man. That, cur- man, listen. that curriculum that he has, man, I want to check that out. Yeah, definitely. When you when you guys coming down here, you got my number. You got me. Just hit yeah. me up, man. Just when y'all coming down here, we, we I'm around, brother. We, we sit down and we kick it. Just let us know awesome, man. All right. Well, until all next right, time, brother. all you all of us who's listening, Tiger June, me, remember, be legendary. Peace. Peace.